Hello and welcome to Chatty AF, the anime feminist podcast. And you wanted it, you asked for it, and we are finally here after several months delay to talk about Yuri Manga on our Manga Variety Hour. My name is Vry. I'm co-managing editor at Anime Feminist. You can find me on Twitter at WriterVry, or you can find the other podcast I co-host at TrashPod. And with me today are Alex and Mercedes. Hello. Uh, this is my first time podcasting on AniFem, so hello everyone. Uh, I'm Alex. I've been writing for AniFem for going on three years now, gosh. Uh, and I have joined the staff as a contributions editor this year. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Aficionado, and I have a blog of the same name on WordPress. Hi everyone. My name is Mercedes, and I'm also a contributing editor um, at AniFem. You can find me on Twitter at Pixelated Lenses, where I talk a lot about translation, localization, editing, and all that good stuff. Yay. Now, Yuri is a big, big umbrella. There are multiple sites dedicated to discussing it. So what we're doing today is mostly more recent titles, and we are putting aside queer titles that aren't under the Yuri umbrella and sort of S-class stuff, because, well, we... We actually have uh, a previous manga variety hour on queer manga, and we'll probably get around to doing S-class stuff in a future episode if y'all want to hear it. Mm-hmm. So, but for now, we have a we have a crop of lovely, pretty recent titles that you can pick up today if you are interested in what we have to say about it. Mm-hmm. D is not here, but I will be keeping in her proud tradition of our terrible, terrible segment titles, Alex. We're throwing you right into the deep end, right off the way. Excellent. Hit me with your best sell. Fire away. That's a bit pathetic. Anyway, <laughs> so, what I would like to hit you guys and our listeners with today uh, is a series After Hours by Nishio Yuta. Uh, this is a romance between adult characters slash kind of later in life coming of age story uh, centering on music and DJ culture and the importance of uh, finding your passion. The English version is out from Viz, um, and it is, in contrast to some of the other titles I believe we're talking about today, uh, finished at a snappy three volumes. So if you're looking to dip your toes into the world of Yuri, but maybe want something more bite-sized, this could be a good option. And I I just want to say that third one, it's a thick boy, y'all. It's a big volume. (laughs) Yeah, it's about twice the size of the first two, isn't it? It's a chunky one. It's a chunky one. Maybe it could have been for, I don't know, it makes a nice trilogy. It has a nice sort of structure, I reckon. It it does. Mm. I feel like it gets wrapped up really tightly in three volumes. It does, yeah. Nice. Um, (laughs) Which, again, in contrast to some of the more slow burn stuff we'll be covering later in the episode. Um, But our protagonist is Emmy, who is 24 and in a full-on quarter-life crisis. Um, (laughs) She doesn't really know what she wants to do with her life. She's in this weird situation where she's kind of broken up with her boyfriend but is still living with him, and she's just generally pretty adrift. Um, So our story kicks off when she goes to a nightclub with a friend and then gets ditched and left on her own there. But she ends up meeting a lady DJ named Kay, who guides her around the nightlife scene um, kind of introduces her to this world of DJing and music and all that light and colour. Um, they end up going home together on that first night, but this fling click quickly turns into a more serious relationship. 
Uh, so our romance begins in, I guess, a maybe less conventional place, especially for the tradition of Yuri. Um, so that kind of will they or won't they question comes less from the drawn out build up of their relationship that's uh, leading up to their big kiss or their confession of love and the sunset or whatever. Uh, it's like they've gotten together in the very first few chapters, but the question is, is this relationship sustainable? Is it growing into love rather than something more fun and casual? And of course, how will all of this help uh, Emmy develop and grow as a person? I still haven't read the third volume, but I remember being really impressed with how this series handles nudity so casually. It is really good. And I think part of why it handles nudity well, it's a seinen manga in Japan. So it is, but it's a weird seinen manga because it's aimed <laughs> at that male demographic. But this feels like, y'all? It feels like it's for the gays. It feels like it's for me. <laughs> what even is Seinen anymore? Seinen just strikes me as, I don't know, it didn't, it's not a, a, a working gal story and it's not for teenage girls or teenage boys. Yeah. Sein, because a lot, a lot of Seinen stories have like definitely have female appeal, but let's be honest, like Japan doesn't like women, hot take. Like Japan doesn't like women, which is bad because a lot of Seinen stories like are definitely for women. And, and but, the, after, but the demographic after. kind of get breezes over that. There isn't like a specific yeah. demographic for. I mean, everything so far as I can tell, like the demographics that are, seem usually set in stone, like shonen, shoujo, sane, or whatever, they seem to be getting more and more nebulous. Kind of the further we go, and the more of these kind of variety stories that we have. Right. Well, and I think like After Hours is written by a, I believe. Nishio identifies as male, and so like you have a re- you have a male author that's very good at like depicting female nudity in a way that's like very natural yeah the the love scenes there's a couple of love scenes they're very tender like they're not you know raunchy or spicy or anything it's just like oh hey here are these two characters who care about each other and are being intimate I think in the second volume especially there's a really lovely scene where they've kind of like reconciled after something's gone a bit haywire and they kind of bring a relationship back together and it's just yeah it's a very like intimate tender without being leery um which is obviously very, you know, especially important if we're taking, you know, these demographic concerns of like, you know, the gays, the, the G-A-Z-E, that is not like G-A-Y-S. Um, <laughs> you know, gays and the gays, um, like that kind of thing. Yeah, it's really interesting to keep an eye on in a lot of these um, like adult aimed or more adult orientated Yuri because it's like, who is this for? And does it matter because, you know, the sapphic audience is taking it away anyway. Well, and I think that's kind of the beautiful thing about After Hours is Yuri as a whole, it doesn't have an audience. The audience is anyone who likes Yuri. Yeah, the audience is Yuri Yuri fans, and that can be whoever it may be. And After Hours really kind of exemplifies, like, this is a story that anyone can read because you can be any gender and, like, be an aimless Mm 20-something trying to figure it all out. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just good. It's just really good. It is very good. It does a fun, it does a thing that I really enjoy too with the romance plot where it's mostly from Emmy's point of view. Um, so uh, Kay kind of has this veneer of success around her where like, oh, she's the adult who's got everything together in her life. But as you go further along, you kind of realize that that's kind of an illusion. And in the end, it's Emmy who kind of ends up taking care of her and they both have a lot to learn from each other. Um, I, I don't know. I really like that kind of switcheroo because it, it speaks to this like, you know, chipping away at the pedestal that love interests can sometime in, sometimes end up on. Um, to they're just very both very human characters in the end, and I really enjoyed that. Yeah, so it's a nice brisk read to pick up for folks who are clamoring for for adult romance. Yeah, mm-hmm. And I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, for under thirty dollars, 
You can get this series physically. I mean, yeah. do you, not in Australian yeah. dollars, but yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I was definitely yeah. speaking in American dollars. That's okay. Everything's more, everything's more expensive here because it has to go like an extra mile to get here. I don't know how it works, but yes. <laughs> in any case, Three Plumes, a nice trilogy, definitely uh, more accessible as an entry point than perhaps some other things. Oh, yeah. Well, you two have a lovely chemistry back and forth here. Why don't we step on <laughs> into Two to Mango, and you can tell me about a series that I keep meaning to read and haven't, which is <laughs> Yuri is My Job. Yay. Oh my god, I love this series so much. <laughs> it's it's really funny. Okay, so I guess I'll I'll give a little summary up front. So the story follows uh, Hime Shiraki, who is this child this high school girl who dreams of literally being a trophy wife to a billionaire outright <laughs> says it at the beginning that like i want money and i want to be a trophy wife and she kind of moves through the world with this very cute facade trying to appeal to everyone except one day she accidentally injures a fellow student who just happens to work at a cafe where the employees like role play being at an all girls bo boarding school and like Hime's facade drops we learn that this child is actually the worst <laughs> she's not very nice actually which is which is quite refreshing mm. but so she goes to the cafe and you know she's she's gonna try and do the right thing and reluctantly takes the injured student's place however she meets a girl named Mitsuki who unlike everyone else that Hime knows hates her instantly hates her does not like it does not like that he may's there and makes it very clear except for when they're in role that she hates he may despite all that he may is pretty much she's she's trying to get along with uh mitsuki until she learns that mitsuki actually knows her from the past dun 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 yeah yeah <laughs> so this is not in fact a job about people working in the manga industry no, no, no. This is um, about. It is about a. It is a Yuri Cafe kind of a la Strawberry Panic, but without the horrible parts of Strawberry Panic. So pretty much without the everything that makes Strawberry Panic. panic I was going to say panic. thank you. Um, it's it's it plays on kind of that class S relationship in a very literal way. Like there's there comes a part where like they form like I don't know the word that they use is German and I'm not going to pronounce it but essentially they like dedicate themselves to be older sister little sister um it's a maid cafe without the maid uniform because it's a school setting but it's I mean it's very hilarious it's very heartfelt um I think it's up to seven volumes in Japan I want to say um so I mean it's it's still ongoing it's by Kodansha also that's who's putting mm -hmm. that out it does that really fun thing where, but yeah, because yeah, like I said, it's a maid cafe, but instead of their what they're the costume they're embodying is these like class S tropes. So it does have that the thing that I really enjoy, where it's like, oh, you think that this character is going to embody this archetype because of everything you see about them, but no, it's only a facade, and they are very different underneath. Um, it takes a very literal, you know, thing like this. Like a very one of the very refined older sister kind of characters is like a Gyaru when she's out of uniform, and it's like this rough and tumble punk kind of character, which I love. Um, and yeah, he may of course uh, looks like a perfect little angel, but is in fact a gremlin protagonist, and I love her. <laughs> like you have to love a protagonist that just outright is like two things I want in life: <laughs> that money, that comfort. Like. Uh -huh. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's a great establishing point for Hime. She's a really fun character. 
I mean, you two have definitely sold me on this because, like, my favorite Yuri manga is uh, Kano's Kiss and White Lily for, or for My Dearest Girl, which is a very rivalry-heavy type oh, yes. series, which I feel like you don't see as often in the last wave of popular Yuri. So I am now interested in reading this. That's true. Yeah, this has a very, like, childhood friends, two enemies, two lovers, presumably, kind of thing going on. It is everything that I search for when I'm on archive of our own. Like this is what I want. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. So you got you got to pick it up, Vry. You have no choice. Very well. All right. Well, since you're doing so well at selling me on titles, tell me, love it or loan it? We have exactly one title from the Cursed Company this session. <laughs> the Cursed Company. Oh my god. Okay. Tokyo Pop. I mean. So, okay, I mean, I'm going to be candid. Like, I struggled when Tokyo Pop was releasing this title because Tokyo Pop does not have a good reputation. Um, I should say that, like, I do buy Tokyo Pop's manga because they're putting out one of my favorite series. And, y'all, it's the only way to get it legally. And I just really love Aria. No, that I think we've all faced that struggle. I have, quote unquote, Yuri Bear Storm on my shelf right <laughs> now. So I'm bad. so mad. So, <laughs> it, it was I already mean, localized in the anime as Yuri Kuma Arashi. Why would you do this? I mean, you know, when I heard that title, I was like, Kuma Shock, Kuma Shock. And like, I haven't even, I don't even go there with Yuri Kuma Arashi. I've never seen it, but I knew that line. And I was like, It is definitely oh Kuma Shocking. I was Kuma Shocked down to my soul. Just, why would you make brand synergy on a pure business le- I'm so mad. Anyway, <laughs> tell me about Futari Bea. So Futari Bea, A Room for Two is a four coma, a four panel comic, which I think is a really interesting way to tell a Yuri story. I don't think I've ever seen a four panel Yuri comic before this. But so basically it follows um, Sakurako uh, Kawawa and Sakurako moves into her school's boarding house only to find out that her roommate is like this gorgeous but absent-minded and very lazy student named Kasumi. And like Kasumi likes eating, but she does not like doing anything else. She's not good at mornings. She's not good at... Kasumi's good at existing, <laughs> which like mood. But um, it's just this, it's, it's just this very, very cute... Yuri Light, I do think it, I, I'm, I'm, this is going to be a slight spoiler. I do think there's a kiss in later volumes. It's on the cheek, but I'll take a kiss wherever I can. Hmm. Um, and, but it's, it's a slice of life manga. And I think it's up to eight volumes in Japan. Um, it's just a very simple, very pleasant manga. Um, it's very ace friendly. I'll say that. I'll say it's very, there's really no sexualization. Um, I mean, there's like, there's like, okay, you know, you see the girls in like their underwear, but it's not sexualized in the same way. It's like, we're changing clothes in gym. I'm still not, I still don't enjoy those things, but it's nice to see a Yuri that doesn't make the teenagers, um, feel adult in that Mm -hmm. way, but it's very, very ace friendly. Um, Kasumi actually, while she shows like romantic interest, there's a stark lack of sexual desire between both of the girls. And I cannot express how comforting that is, mm-hmm. which is particularly why I like this title. Um, I myself am ace. So it's always nice to be able to like see Yuri that isn't sexual or doesn't have a, 
doesn't have sexuality as a core part of it, but instead focuses on like two female characters loving each other. Hmm. But it's really good. It's, it's don't expect a lot. If your local library or your, you know, something that offers eBooks in a supportive legal way has access to it, I would say, check out the first volume. Um, I myself am collecting it because I really like it. It's just very good comfort food. I know that pretty much every volume is going to end on a high note. It's that kind of series. So kind of that Yashike thing where yeah, check and see, like do a temperature check. And then the, if you <laughs> like it, there's a lot for you to yeah. enjoy. Yeah. And I mean, like, I full disclosure, I'm definitely the person at Anifem that's like super into two things, Iyashike and idols. That's pretty much, <laughs> I don't know, that's pretty much like my MO around here. So, I mean, as a fan of like healing anime and manga, it's easy for me to suggest. Give it the one volume try. It's not for everyone, but it is cute. And I think it's a really, really good ongoing Yuri um, it kind of reminds me in a way of Kazesan, but very, very, very light Kazesan. Like okay. very, 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 very light. Um, yeah. So love it or loan it. All right. That's- so perhaps loan it and you may come to love it. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So from seven volumes down to just one, although there will be more coming over soon. Mm-hmm. Alex, you have a title that perhaps might be one for Armani. I do have a title that perhaps may be one for your money. Um, I want to talk about How Do We Relationship, uh, which is by Tamiful. Um, It just started coming out this year from Viz in English. And yes, I think there are many more volumes coming. Um, Volume two is up for pre-order now, which is very exciting. Um, This is a college romance uh, between our shy small town girl Miwa and the much more outgoing Seiko uh, who are both in their first year of college. They literally bump into each other during orientation and strike up this sort of odd little friendship. Um, so Miwa is a lesbian that has never been in a romantic relationship before, though she has had some crushes on girls from her hometown. Um, she's never really talked about it before. But as she gets closer to Seiko, she wonders if it's safe for her to confide in her about this. So one night when they're a bit tipsy, Miwa is like psyching herself up to confess about this. But Seiko beats her to the punch and tells Miwa that she also likes girls. Um, So in this mix of sort of the euphoria of queer connection and just a little bit of alcohol, they jokingly (laughs) are like, hey, we should totally date each other. You know, we're two women who like women. We're both cool. We know we like each other. What's the worst that could happen? So sort of similarly to After Hours, this is a story that kind of flips the usual slow burn romance path and has them jumping into a relationship quite quickly and then figuring out their feelings for one another. Um, With these two series I've used as examples, I might accidentally be making it seem like this is a real trend that's emerging in Yuri. I don't know if it is, but um, it is cool. You know, it it signifies a shift in the, an increased variety in the genre that we have. I actually do think there's something of a trend of like skipping a lot of the fluff because there's, um, oh, I can't remember the title, but like there's a manga that, just came out that's a yuri and i think it's like our teachers are dating and it's oh, a yes. school nurse and, and like it skips a lot of like these are just two adult women who are dating and have an interest and i think it's great like you said i think it's great because it skips all of the kind of like build up and you just get to see a relationship yeah i mean the author at in like the author's notes at the back it does specifically talk about that like they wanted to kind of 
uh, yeah, they say, okay, here I have it right here. They ask, why do romances always end when they decide to start dating? I mean, it's probably because that's the most dramatic part, really. At least that's what people think. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you just stick them together and then, you know, but if you, yeah, if you stick them together, you can hear about their anniversaries, their first fights, their worries about the future and all the different feelings that come after the dating starts. I want to read about that. So clearly that is the motivation for writing this here. Um, and yeah, you get a really fun dynamic in that you have these two characters kind of figuring out their feelings as they go. Um, it's very funny and quite zany in some places, but it's also very grounded and I felt really emotionally honest. Um there are these great moments where both of the characters kind of analyze their own relationship to relationships, um, which they both have a very different history with for different reasons. Like um, Miwa has been shy and solo for a long time, kind of assuming that she would never have a normal sort of dating life because she likes other women. And Seiko, by contrast, has thrown herself into a few relationships that weren't quite right for her because she wanted to just grow up and date someone and get that kind of milestone over with already. Um, so yeah, it's really interesting in how it talks about that. And it's also refreshing and frank in how it talks about sex and sexuality, um, because the two characters have quite different levels of experience and different wants and needs. Um, I will say though, it is also kind of ace friendly, which is really interesting. Like, um, throughout the first volume, one of the sort of um, kind of minor conflicts, I guess, is that Seiko's horny, but Miwa isn't quite ready for that yet, uh, personally and in terms of the stage their relationship is at. But they talk it out and they acknowledge the different needs and levels that they're at and they really are just like, hey, you know, we can make this work. We don't have to sleep together at all if we don't want to. We can do it at our own pace, which was like, oh, wow, you know, it, it, one other character has this um, – the side characters are all hilarious, by the way. But also there is a part where one of the side characters basically says, hey – Sex isn't essential to every relationship and you shouldn't feel pressured into doing it out of any sense of obligation, which like, you know, it's a very low bar, obviously, but I always love it when I see just like those words said in fiction. It's like, oh, okay, yes. Can we put that out there? (laughs) That's just a nice thing to say whether like somebody is sex interested or not. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And well, it's it's just such a powerful thing because like the reality is, is with a lot of Yuri, a lot of older teenagers who are having these very big questions about what it means to engage with sex, what it means to, you know, desire engaging with it at all, are asking these questions. And, you know, I think it's wonderful that, like, we're in an age of Yuri, where a reader who might be questioning, a reader who just might generally be unsure about themselves can see, like, oh, I don't have to have these things. I don't have to engage with them that engaging with them or choosing not to or not feeling a need doesn't make mm-hmm. you aberrant. You're just mm-hmm, you. Mm-hmm. I think it's really great. I think it's really, really great. Which, yeah, this one was, yeah, this relationship dynamic, I don't know, it was really fun because I was like, I relate to this because I'm ace and because I'm bi. It was like that meme of the Spider-Man pointing at it himself. Like, <laughs> it was very fun in that sense. Um, I love that this is not only the Yuri podcast, this is the Ace Rep podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Kind of by accident. I mean, I end up there all the time. Um, I mean, yeah, like, I I mean, I'd be interested in doing a whole chat about ace rep or at least like characters being able to be read as ace. But that's, you know, that's another day. That's a very fascinating. We have three aces on staff now. So (laughs) I'm going to get you guys together with Dee and you can make that happen. We walk among you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, this sounds like a really nice title. I, I, it is nice. It's very fun. Yeah. All right. All right, so now we are moving on to a category that exists because everything I read is trash. (laughs) (laughs) 
Excellent, excellent. We call this section, oh no, it's complicated. Oh because my God. It, Because my fave is problematic was taken. And I want to talk to you today about Akuma, uh, Akuma no Riddle, which is the only title on our list today that has a distinct author and illustrator rather oh, than one yeah. person doing both. And boy, okay. is the writer very distinct. <laughs> I, okay. I have a fascination with Kogayun. I love Kogayun uh, a lot. <laughs> she is, um, the, the illustrator, by the way, uh, is less infamous. Uh, Minakata Sunao. She's mm-hmm. a well-established Yuri artist, but maybe famous because she is dating or dated. I'm not sure. Uh, Morishima Akiko. Oh, wow. But yeah, it's very cute. So Koga Yoon is, I like to call her uh, if Okada Mari had more misses than hits. <laughs> um, <laughs> she's, okay. she's a very... <laughs> She's a very messy storyteller. She likes to dig her fingers into these stories about teens who are extremely traumatized and these stories about cycles of abuse and trauma and violence. And, you know, she is she's got maybe one of the most consistently evolving art styles of any mangaka I've followed. You know, if you look at something like Earthian from the 90s, it looks completely different from something that she she's doing like the designs for Gundam 00 that she did she's really interesting in that way and like you know Loveless is probably her most famous work and sort of infamous because it's trying to say a thing about CSA survivors while also falling into blatant Shota baiting but we own all of it because it's really meaningful to my wife as a survivor I, I have a particular fondness for Loveless because it's a very powerful story and it's one that's often pigeonholed into being boys love when it is absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Um, if anything, it's really strongly rejecting the boys love narrative to tell a particularly powerful story about CSA and about surviving trauma. Um, like you said, it's very messy, but I really, I, I fully agree. It's a very powerful story. It's a yeah, very, like it's a it has these story these wonderfully written characters, but also you would be uh, deliberately oblivious if you, if, if we ignored the fact that Ritska is fetishized as often as his legitimate trauma is discussed. And that sucks. But yeah, like she's done Jose, she's done Seinen, she's done Shoujo. She, I don't know. She's really interesting to me. Earthian is, is a very nostalgic fave. And Akuma no Riddle, which has about a billion different localization names. The anime came out as Riddle Story of Devil, and I think follows basically the same plot, although it was made while the manga was still being published. So I think it diverts a little at the end there. It is the story of the secret class of assassins. In this class black, there are 13 assassins and one mark. And the Mark's goal is to try to survive all the way to the end. And the Assassin's goal are to kill her. And if they are the one who successfully kills the Mark, then they get their greatest desire granted. And so this girl, Haru, you know, appears completely helpless and manages to attract the help of one of the Assassins, uh, Tokaku, who... She defects from her mission and agrees that actually she's going to take Haru's side and protect her all the way to the end. And there's sort of this deeper conspiracy going on with what the school is trying to do and what they want with Haru. 
and it is an extremely trashy manga in some ways. Uh, it has a fair sprinkling of fan service, but it also has some legitimately upsetting stories about its characters going through various, uh, you know, abuses and traumas that it deals with, I think, in a, in a surprisingly sensitive way, given the fact that it is kind of this noir femme fatale type action story. Mm-hmm. One thing I do hate about the manga is that, for God knows what reason, uh, the translator, which is an unusual choice for because this is Seven Seas Entertainment, who I think has become the kind of god among <laughs> Yuri publishers. Like, yeah. that is what they are known for. Yeah, yeah. But, so Haru has the third-person speech tick, and they translate it literally, which is my least favorite thing in the world. Oh, no. Oh, and it's no. really distracting. Well, and I, I, I wonder, so I don't know if you know, Vry, but Akamana Riddle was, it got released prior to Seven Seas acquiring it in English. I think it had, it's, it's a weird case of it had two translations. And really? I think it did because like, I remember buying it on Bookwalker and then like another release of it came out and I was baffled because I was like wait I just bought this and I think I think maybe Seven Seas handled it but like it got maybe like a something happened that I feel like there were two releases of it and I could be wrong but I wonder if because there was a previous translation by a different company before Seven Seas got the title if maybe that's a holdover that could be because and and I mean realistically too like publishers in japan can they can ask for certain things they can be like hey we would like you we would like this thing to stay and you're kind of at the mercy of them i would imagine in that situation but i feel like i have an edition that is not the seven seas version that's interesting and like the version i read was from a public library so maybe it was also the older edition and to be fair additionally this one kind of came out before the current yuri boom uh you know, it was published mm-hmm. in Japan from 2012 to 2016 and started yeah. coming out in English in 2015. So, yeah. And it's funny because I'm thinking more about like having a different version. I'm pretty sure I do because like mine was like Devil's Riddle or something. Like, I feel like I just have a different version. And I think something happened like where there's the version that we all know from Seven Seas, but there's also a version that came out. Yeah, I have, like, riddle story of a devil. <laughs> which, Why? I don't know which, who demanded that title. Which I, is so awkward. Like, that's definitely not Seven Seas at all. Not in the least. No, that's the official localization. Um, no. I don't know why it's not called Devil's Riddle. That makes more sense. Yeah. But no, that's... riddle story of devil. Is that the... Okay, maybe, maybe, listeners, I'm wrong, and life is torturous, and... Instead yeah, of calling I, it, God, that's so sad. Because I do think they renamed it. I do think it was renamed to Akuma no Riddle because, like, the riddle story of a devil is horrible. And that's not is. good. It's not good localization. But I wonder if maybe, like, that was a case of, like, either some, even the localizer was told to go sh- play it straight or they chose to. But it's not a good choice. Oh, I know that. <laughs> 
Speaking of manga and anime with different titles, I bought, I still haven't watched the anime, but I did buy it from Funimation because it was on sale for 10 bucks. And nice. it is out as Riddle Story of Devil, God. whereas the manga, I think now gets reprinted as just Akuma no Riddle. Yeah, because on, on like Bookwalker on the digital editions, it's Akuma no Riddle, which kind of like Yuri Bearstorm is mm-hmm. the better of the title. <laughs> <laughs> like, mm-hmm. You guys are talking about these different translation stuff. I'm like, is this like a like a Berenstein Berenstain like split universe theory happening? Like, is there like the the Seven Seas version and this weird alternate like diverging timeline where it was Riddle Story of Devil? Like, <laughs> kid you not? Like, I had Riddle Story of Devil, and maybe what it is is that Seven Seas has had the license, but they chose to change it. Which like maybe so, bless, yeah. bless, um. Because like it's it is a complicated story, but it's it's good, y'all. It's good, and I've only read volume one or two. I think I've read two. It's really good. It has big gunslinger girl vibes. Mm. The first volume I found a little bit of a hurdle. Like it's only five volumes long and it's complete. And I, the first volume is so much setup that I kind of had to push through it, and then the the, the rest of it kind of takes off and just keeps never stops. And I really liked how sympathetic it is to its its various assassin characters who are all extremely archetypical but in a in a way that the story you can tell likes them Mm -hmm. i wholly agree with that it is messy and i love it so much and i want people to read it (laughs) (laughs) but i i think there's a really good place for like messy yuri there's something distinctly satisfying about really messy Yuri sometimes. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Unlike Murcielago, which betrayed me with pedophilia, this doesn't have oh, that. Oh, no. Oh, Ooh. no. <laughs> no. Yeah. God. Yeah. Bur- anyway, that's enough of that. <laughs> <laughs> Let us move on into the second half of our show, where we once again have two to mango. Alex, if you would, you have had to sit on the sidelines for a minute if you would like to lead this dance. Sure, that was all fascinating to watch pass me by that whole, because <laughs> I'm not familiar with that series, but now I know so much about it. Goodness me. <laughs> um, so uh, we want to talk about A Tropical Fish Yearns for Snow by Makoto Hagino. Um, this is um, what I was kind of alluding to. We talk about more slow burn series. Um, and uh, so, okay, so to preface this, the curse that I live with, right, the sort of monkey's paw situation in my life is that I really love slow burn. Like I really like friends to lovers as a trope and like the gradual development of relationships across a long plot and shifting dynamics over time. It's all like, yes, very good. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> the reality of that in a format like manga is it's like, okay, well, they're not going to hold hands until like volume 17 so I'd better yeah. make space on my shelf and in my budget for that. <laughs> Tropical fish is for sure the slowest of burns. Like we're talking like a candle that is burning down to the bottom. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful though. It's lovely. It's um, so good. So good. Uh, so our main character is a girl called Kanatsu who moves to a new uh, seaside town based on her parents' jobs moving her around. Um, and she's quite anxious and feeling very isolated. But on one of her first days there, she wanders into her school's aquarium club, which is not so much a club as it is a sort of a scientific aquarium. And there is the daughter of the teacher who runs it is basically the only member of this quote unquote club. But um, that girl is Koyuki and they kind of strike up this nice little sort of quiet tentative bond and Kanetsu joins the aquarium club. 
and um, they are both anxious little babies and I think a very authentic way to being um, a young person who's very unsure of yourself. And it does a fun thing too where it has a dual perspective. So you get chapters from Konatsu's sort of point of view and uh, chapters where you're inside Koyuki's head instead. And it gives us this nice balance. It's not like a protagonist looking at a love interest, like they're both protagonists in their own right, which is a dynamic I really like. And it also means you get these great, beautifully frustrating situations where the characters will be sitting there being like, oh, I don't know if she likes me. I don't know if I'm worthy. I don't, I think I should go, go, you know, go back to bed and just hole up. And, you, you know, I love that because it does feel very true to life, but I'm also want to be like, grab them by the collar, be like, no, listen, she does like you and she's worried that she's not worthy of your affection. I know because she just spent a whole chapter agonizing about the exact same thing. And if you just talked to each other, you would know, but that's not, <laughs> no. that's not the name of the game. <laughs> It's good though. It's lovely. It's very charming. It's it's really good. I think Viz, who's publishing it in English, is up to four volumes. Yes. Yeah. And I have them all and I'm in pain. It just started <laughs> coming out in English this year. Because I think it's on like that really? good Viz. I, you don't take my word at that. I think it might have just been this year. Because I think it's on like that good Viz, like... Every two or three months, there's a new volume schedule, which, like, we thank Viz for our daily bread. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, Viz was quite late in picking this one up. I, I remember people yeah. talking about it for a while. Yeah. And now I will I will say, once again, this is like, I feel like, you, you know, y'all, everything is ace to me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But once again, like, I think particularly for, like, demi-romantic Mm-hmm. readers mm-hmm. this has a lot of appeal now I can't speak to this but I've seen mention online that a lot of people view Koyuki as being correct me if I'm wrong on the autism spectrum okay I can't I can't personally speak to that um I haven't read it so I can't help yeah, yeah but if, if that's the case I think that's actually really powerful um mm. But like I said, I personally can't speak to that and I'm not going to speak for a community that I am not a part of. Um, but I've heard that. Um, that's which, really which, interesting, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so I mean, there's further representation if that's the case. I mean, a lot of the time, sometimes in these, because I, I do a lot of work in like the queer young adult fiction sphere as well. It's my research um, area. and the good a- sphere. <laughs> and there's like a lot of the conversations in that it's very like at least in modern works it's very like explicit the more representation you're getting like the characters will identify on page as whatever identity they are or in a lot of like the marketing copy or you know people recommending it to one another they're like oh yeah this has ace rep this has non-binary rep etc you know that'll be part of kind of the spin where they feel like just as part of a cultural difference or a genre difference or creative difference whatever it may be you get these more that's that's less of a you don't you can't necessarily go into things like yuri expecting and craving that I mean, sometimes, like, you know, How Do We Relationship has these stories that very directly say, hey, this is what it's like to be a lesbian in Japan. But you will also have, yeah, stories like this where it's much more, like, sort of just quiet and character-driven and a lot of those things are much more subtle and quiet and up for interpretation. So there is room, genuinely, even if it's not, even if the creator didn't set out to write um, a demi-romantic or an autistic spectrum story, the fact that readers can 
sort of find those resonances in them is still really powerful, even if it's not like explicit and, you know, quote unquote canon in the way that it can be in other fields. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I'm I'm a big proponent of like, read yourself into the spaces that you need to exist. If yes, exactly. the world is not making space for you, you make the space that you need. And I don't think that's bad. I think that's actually a really powerful um, form of self-love and of care that you can give yourself is to read yourself and see yourself in all the possibilities and places you want. Exactly. Um, Beautifully put. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> speaking of speaking of beautifully put can we talk about like this next manga that's really beautiful (laughs) yes all right mercedes it is your turn hit me with your best sell okay so i'm coming at y'all with goodbye my rose garden which like ah drama ah the (laughs) art oh the gayness (laughs) it's so good it's so good okay so your story is hanako is a japanese teacher um as in a japanese person who teaches japanese i assume i i honestly can't remember that bit i think i was just so excited when i read this but she's a japanese teacher who journeys to england in order to meet victor franks this reclusive writer and her personal kind of like idol um as well as like going to england to fulfill her desire to become a novelist however she very quickly comes into the employment of one Alice Douglas, who she's a noble woman, and she has um, this dark wish, this very dark wish that Hanako has to fulfill if she wants to meet Victor Franks. Alice wants her, Hanako, to kill her. And like, y'all, if that's not a summary to knock your socks off, I don't yeah, know wow. what it is. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I think I remember reading the the Seven Seas uh, blurb for this and going, oh, yes, I too enjoyed The Handmaiden. So (laughs) I am on board with this manga. I just haven't gotten to it yet. It is very good. And so, I mean, like, I just, y'all, it's my everything. So it is, um, in Japan, it's completed, finished in February. Um, It's completed three volumes. So, like, once this comes out, this is another, like, grab them all at once because you're gonna want to experience it all at once i believe the last volume comes out either this no last volume might come out january 2021 it says on seven c's website it's soon i think like they have the cover uh preview out and all yeah so it's either it's either going to be december or january i'm gonna angle for january because i think seven c's is dropping so many books that they cannot help but push it to (laughs) january um very powerful first volume excellent mm. localization beautiful lettering um dr Peppero- pepperco <laughs> which, which is just the, the best the pen name best, excellent <laughs> the best and when like when he writes it in japanese his like family name is dakuta <laughs> so it's just doctor. <laughs> it's great it's really great um <laughs> I mean, it's just a beautiful, it's this really beautiful story about Hanako becoming Alice's personal maid and them forming this friendship. And it's, it's, I mean, it's very, very queer. It's very, very queer. Mm-hmm. And they even delve because of the time that this is set in. Um, it's set in like almost turn of the 20th century England. So like you're talking like the 1880s, the 1890s. Get kind that of era. Victoriana. Yeah. I mean, it talks about like queer historical figures. It talks about like it delves into 
the actual history of like, um, oh gosh, I always forget what his name is. He's English. He was a very famous Oscar writer. Wilde. Yeah, it explicitly it's always Oscar Wilde. Explicitly, <laughs> but like explicitly, there's a scene that explicitly talks about like what a pity it is that like mm. he could not live as himself. It's really good and it's very aware. Doctor Doctor Pepperco, the best doctor to trust, is has just crafted this really beautiful story about two women falling in love um of course naturally alice is betrothed to another man because <gasps> the gays can't be happy <laughs> like oh, this sounds like exactly my type of drama it's i mean <laughs> and, and i i i don't know how it's gonna end i imagine it's probably gonna be very bittersweet i i mean because because also you know the the manga is very transparent about the time period it operates in. It fully understands. Okay, I'm sorry. I just looked at my notes. It's 1900, and mm. it's specifically right after the death of Oscar Wilde. So oh. it's 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 early. It's later than I thought. Um, I mean, like it. it the manga is very aware of its operating in a time where being anything but a cis straight person was wrong. It's very aware, and I actually like that it doesn't shy away from the fact that that is a part of our history, a part of our shared Western history, especially of dealing with, you know, different sexualities, different bodies, mm. different identities. Um, it's just really good. It's very powerful. Um, I really don't know how it's going to end. You're going to want tissues, though. I can guarantee you that. Don't read this. <laughs> don't read this at your desk in a Japanese high school while it's lunchtime. Because you'll start crying and your coworkers will be very concerned. It's not a personal Aww. story or anything. <laughs> Is that an experience you have had? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I uh, I first read this like at my desk and I started sobbing into my rice. Oh no! <laughs> oh, no. Because it was that's so a- it was so good. <laughs> It's just that, so I mean, that's a, that is a solid really, recommendation. Yeah, of an endorsement. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like goodbye, my rose garden. You don't need to season your rice because your tears will. <laughs> that's the endorsement. <laughs> Seven C's. You can have that one for free. Yeah. Slap that on the back cover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's good. It's just good. All right. Well, from that into something that. I, I put on this show notes just oh. because I need to yell at someone about my feelings about it. Are, are you going to yeah. do Endo Yasuko? Are you going to do it? I am. I think we Wait. have time. I'm going to make it real quick. Oh my God, do it, <laughs> so, please. I have one love it or loan it for you, the listeners at home, which is Hungry for You, Endo Yasuko Stocks the Night. It's a completed two-volume series by Flower Child from 2016 and put out by Seven Seas Entertainment. It is a comedy... Question mark, question mark, question mark. Uh, (laughs) Manga about Shizue, who lives in a town where girls have been going missing, and it's all very odd. And one day she is approached by the titular vampire, Endo Yasuko, who says that she is a vampire and she's dying, and Shizue is the only one whose blood she can eat. And thus begins this kind of comedy of errors of this kind of slap slap kiss will they won't they it's a little you know it's a it's a little bit of because it's using the very uh victorian vampirism angle there is there is kind of that bargaining aspect of you have the aggressive amorous partner and the other one who's kind of withholding but in a lot more 
slapstick and less assault coated manner than I think a lot of those stories tend to go. It also has just a lot of great side characters. It has this schoolgirl who is very Nanami-esque in, in that she's constantly trying to reveal Yasuko as a vampire and it goes <laughs> very funny. badly for her. That's really and then, funny. Uh, uh-huh. And Shizue herself has is very nonplussed about everything. She's just here to get She's, she agrees to this whole plan because Yasuko agrees to get her food. Like, that is Shizue's main goal. Oh my god. <laughs> She's a I, very good protagonist. I think I identify with Shizue because I too would also, like, let a vampire gnaw on my neck if they were like, I'll get you some snacks. <laughs> like, very cool. good. Cool. <laughs> cool, bro. <laughs> And there is also uh, Yasuko's familiar, who is a a gal uh, and a werewolf. Oh my god, a co-gal werewolf? Yes. Uh (laughs) Yes. That sounds great. Like, just as a combination. Well. I got the the distinct image of, like, Galco as a werewolf. You're not wrong. Which is excellent. (laughs) And, like, the best parts of this manga are, have kind of... Uh, an overlap with the best parts of Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid, where mm-hmm. there will okay. be these sweet moments and then kind of this melancholy sort of uh, thoughts uh, where Yasuko is thinking that there's no really, th- there's really no indication that she intends to make Shizue a vampire. So she's thinking about how, how much she loves this girl and the fact that she only gets to know her for one human lifetime and th- that the profound loneliness of her existence kind of, in a way mm-hmm. that's not too mawkish, but it's just kind of, lingeringly sad in a way that's nice and not too heavy-handed unfortunately (laughs) i mentioned that this manga is only two volumes yeah and so the first volume is a lot of school shenanigans with all these fun characters and kind of the will they won't they does oh no is there perhaps feels underneath this business arrangement of very intimate bloodletting? And then the second volume introduces an antagonist in the form of uh, Yasuko's maker, who <sighs> is in disguise as the principal of the school and keeps calling students into her office for extremely sexualized spanking punishments. No. And... Uh. And kidnapping students, and she's very like she's the antagonist, but it's very much being played as the the sexy teacher kind of thing. And also, it it introduces and wraps up this plot and also the entire series in one volume. And it's mm-hmm. not so it's all this amazing potential and some really nice moments that then just kind of I don't know if the manga was canceled, but it feels like a manga that was canceled. That's that's really unfortunate because it sucks that's that's unfortunate <laughs> yeah so like i i had a good time reading it but it also left me really frustrated and kind of sad so i think this is definitely a loan it if you happened to find it at your local library and you like vampire yuri stories you might have fun with it you know knowing about the caveats going in but i don't know that i would pay 13 dollars a volume <laughs> for uh, this here title no, no. Well, it kind of sounds like something that you would say, read the first volume and then put it down and be like, wow, isn't it weird they never made any more? And then just go on with your life. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that would be an appropriate, uh, that would be an appropriate 
approach to this year's story, this single volume kind of gag Yuri comedy. <laughs> <sighs> well, now that I've made us all sad, let's bring it in for a landing with our group hug, where we read a title that everybody is familiar with. And this is maybe one of the most long requested titles among Yuri fandom that we finally got this year, which is 2008's uh, The Conditions of Paradise by legendary Yuri mangaka Morishima Akiko. It's such a pretty volume of really good stories. It mm-hmm. is. It is quite lovely. I had Which ones were your favorite? Since it's an anthology series, should we do like a round off of like which one we really enjoyed? Because I feel like they've all got quite a different energy in this uh, anthology. I mean, I'm going to just go to put it out here. Princess Sakura and the Flurry of Flowers was my jam. Oh, it was so good. I had to like lay down and cry after I read it. (laughs) It's so good and tender. Mm -hmm. It's just mm, so good. I love a good story where an inanimate like object or an organic object falls in love with a human. Mm -hmm. That is my jam. Oh, God, it rips me apart. I really liked that, like, because we'd had a lot of very contemporary sort of more slice of life you want, and then it threw that great, beautiful folkloric one in at the end. I was like, oh, yes, okay, this is much more. You know, this that really hooked me in a way that some of the other modern ones kind of didn't because it had yeah. that, yeah, because it, 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 it's quite short really, but it gives you that full arc of like, you know, this sort of this legend, this fairy tale almost, that you know, of just this tragic love story that you get quite hooked into in quite a short space of time. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. it it captivates. Like it just oh it's just so good. And honestly, that it's hard like I mean the entire volume's good. I know that Yuri Mother, I believe, gave it like a 10 out of 10 on Oh wow, yeah. on her blog, which I mean is a big thing. Yuri Mother mm-hmm. does not hand out those 10s easily. <laughs> I I mean, it it it's it's just astounding that like this is what we all are worth is this really really good Yuri. She's Mm. chef's kiss there is i think one about a teacher dating her student in here if i recall correctly yes um yeah 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 which is like they're in it's a university student so i mean the, the dynamic is still there and i mean oddly enough the thing i found like obviously i know so okay teacher student that dynamic's a bit fraught but honestly the thing that mostly annoyed me about that one is that, like it's from a teacher's point of view and she spends the whole time being like oh i'm 30 i'm ancient compared to this beautiful flower who's come into my life i'm like girl come on it's a 20 year old woman and a 30 year old girl yeah yeah yes which like they're both i mean there's an age gap but they are both like adults but it definitely leans really heavily on like uh age gap and you're like uh no please like yeah but again mostly in like yeah emphasizing how old and decrepit this 30 year old is i'm like come on (laughs) come on I will say, like, I don't like that trope because 30 is not old. It's um, really not. Like, I say that, I mean, I'm 28, I'm a baby, but 30 <laughs> is not old. It's, it's oh. like, it's not old at all. You're in the prime. At 30, you get to know magical things like how to fold a fitted sheet. Like, <laughs> do you? Because I turned 30 a few months ago and I do not know how to do that. You gotta wait for the fitted sheet fairy to visit you. Don't worry. Oh, They'll come in the middle of the Someday. night. Someday. 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 Oh. <laughs> I wonder I wonder if this volume is why we we see so many um 
wh- why there have been such a rash of single author anthologies. Because Seven Seas actually published a couple ones before this one. Yeah. You know, well, and I, I think, too, like, like we said, Seven Seas is really the king of Yuri manga. And, and Seven Seas is very receptive to licensing. Like, mm-hmm. if it is requested in those monthly surveys they're going to fight to get it. And the good thing is that Seven Seas licenses from a lot of different publishers in Japan. Like, you know, Kodansha obviously kind of has to go with Kodansha. Mm -hmm. And like Viz has to obviously, it has to lean heavily on like Shonen Jump and things around that and things that like Shueisha owns. But Seven Seas, like really, they'll just, if, if it's requested they'll try and get it and i think there's just been an uptick uptick in wanting to see these single author anthologies because a lot of them are really good mm-hmm. a lot of them are really good yeah I, I i do sometimes get sad that i feel like i think morishima like the reason this became popular is that she is really good at presenting these snapshots of relationships in a way that feels really satisfying mm-hmm. i don't think every author has that skill that she does yeah it's it's a very specialized skill. Like I, I mean, and this is this is not Yuri, but an author that I don't think does good snapshots. I mean, is like Rumiko Takahashi. She does not do a good short story. No, and like well, she's, short she's, stories she's, are pretty hard. Is the thing like yeah, it, it takes yeah. a lot of skill to be able to be like, here are these characters. Here's everything you need to know about them. Let's go, and here is a satisfying arc. Um, so yeah, I was really impressed. A lot of them were really. Not that long, but not like a love story, but just like a little a little peek into this relationship and its weird machinations, whatever they might be in the individual story. Um, and it's quite effective, yeah, because you get the sense, oh, yeah, this is just people living their life and, you know, their life together will continue once we turn the page and the chapter ends. Yeah, because I guess, I guess the only actual, like, full complete arc story we get that's spread out is Conditions of Paradise, the titular three-chapter mm-hmm. story. Like that's the only one that we kind of see a little bit more of a like wider story arc, but even still Mm. like we're getting a snapshot of like these two women have known each other for ages Mm -hmm. um, versus like that kind of initial meet cute that a lot of Yuri has it, which is Mm. nice because like a lot Mm -hmm. of adults, that's how it is. Like you've known somebody, I mean, for a while, I mean like, I'll admit, like, I'm a Conditions of Paradise trope. I know, I knew my partner in college. <laughs> like, Aww. I, you know, there's no meet cute. It's just like, we knew each other for seven years, and then we were like, let's be gay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, no, I also, I also lived the friends to lovers life. So, yeah, like, seeing that was really interesting, too, because, because they kind of did this weird dance between, like, we are friends, but we kind of don't want to risk becoming, becoming quote unquote more in case something goes wrong, in case it doesn't work out, we ruin the friendship, which is like, I don't know, it's it's kind of, you know, quote-unquote ruining the friendship is kind of a cliche, but it's also, like, a serious thing that a lot of people do deal with. Like I was, mm-hmm. was going to say, it's a very real concern because, you know, whereas friendship should be in love, romantic love, the way that we're taught to treat romantic love is very different than, like, platonic love, even if mm-hmm. they're both equally as powerful. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think you're really, really on it. That's it. I did. I liked all of the adult romance, but I did also enjoy. I think a chapter's called Peach Flavor, just because yeah. of that bit where you have all the high schoolers sitting around the desk and they're all talking about their crushes, and the main character's like, Pih, "My senpai is hotter than any idol, and hotter than any actor, and hotter than Sasuke." <laughs> that 
that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was really good. Was I was just really not good. expecting that at all, and it just like blew me away. <laughs> it was really good. <laughs> and as we're recording this, this is a single volume, but both of the other the two subsequent volumes that Morishima did have been licensed, and probably by the time this goes out, just looking ahead at the podcast schedule, they will be published <laughs> and available to buy. Yeah, I was gonna say like. I think that like the follow-up volumes come out like winter 2021. So like and probably will be out by the time this is published. Oh, definitely. Sorry, right. we will be a herald, a voice of um <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh the second one comes out on November 10th. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. Yep. That's a lot yep. far away. Days yep. from now. <laughs> yep. So how exciting. <laughs> that is just a smattering of yuri of the true wealth of stuff that is out there right now so you know definitely we'll get together and do this again but thank you to both of you for taking this ride with me that was fun yes thanks for having me along yeah this was like a little cozy yuri chat which is how i like to roll yeah i love recommending books so this was very fun yes And thank you, listeners at home, for joining us. If you liked this episode, you can find more of our stuff by going to our website, animefeminist.com. The podcasts are right there on the front page. If you really liked this, consider going to our Patreon at patreon.com slash animefeminist. Even a dollar a month really helps us to create new content on the page and in your ears. We also have a Kofi or coffee no one's really sure dot <laughs> <laughs> com slash anime feminist, which is helping us fund transcripts for the backlogs of these episodes, which because we really want to continue working hard to get up to accessible standards for folks who want to know about our podcast, but can't listen to them necessarily for whatever reason. If you want to get a hold of the team, you can always find us on social media. We are on Tumblr at animefeminist.tumblr.com com i forgot how tumblr worked for a second there we are on <laughs> facebook at anime fem and we are on twitter at anime feminist thanks so much for joining us anna fam and uh, go read about ladies kissing you'll have a nice time <laughs> yes yes you will <laughs>